Hello and welcome to the return of the Weekend Update. I am your host, Christopher Gallagher, and this week we're joined by Ian Dugan. Hello, Ian, how are you? Good morning, Christopher. It's morning. Usually we'd record this in the afternoon, but we're recording it slightly in the morning, so I've said morning, which might confuse people, but it, it's just slightly in the morning, so it's it's accurate. I'm very good, Christopher. Um, uh, how are you? I, I'm you? I, I'm good. It's eleven thirty three in the morning. Eleven thirty three. Yeah, I didn't know whether that was a trade secret. Like, should we should we keep that to ourselves? But that's it. You've done it now, so that's fine. Yeah, because it could have been eleven fifty nine. So you know, it could have been. It's it's good to let people know. Uh, we've we've not heard from you for a few weeks. Obviously, they change up with the lunch club. We'll we'll see what happens when we get back to the the the, the season and stuff. But how have you been? What have you been up to? Yeah, no good. Um, just working hard. Um. I think what what have I, what have I done sort of entertainment wise? I went to see Wakanda Forever on Sunday. Is that is that good? Um, no, it is. I really really enjoyed it. Right, it would take a lot for me not to enjoy a Marvel film. Um, genuinely, the first ten minutes is one of the most emotionally brutal things I think I've ever watched. Oh god, yeah. It is like there was not much acting required when they were doing that. It is. Oh, oh, like the whole, it's basically a whole, it's got a cold open 10 minutes then into, you can kind of figure out, you know, the Marvel, all Chadwick, but oh, good God. Oh, was, God. Um, and then kind of the end as well. Namor's a really cool character. I, I liked it. It's a bit, it's it's over long and it's messy, but given the cards he was dealt with, I think he's, I think he's done a shift, Mr. Kugler. Uh, um, yeah, you've also got tickets. I have as well to Tim Heidecker. Uh, Tim Heidecker, yeah, that's going to be exciting. Yeah, um, I think a, a number of people. I think Lorenzo's going. Bow, I've got tickets for Bowd as well. Um, yeah, can't wait. That'll be fantastic. You said you'd seen him before in London. Yeah, we we saw him in London doing kind of the shtick. Uh, if you're unaware or unfamiliar with Tim Heidecker, um, YouTube his name. He's got a, he's got a free. Um, a, stand-up special which is hilariously funny and he essentially kind of parodies and mocks kind of toxic masculinity and the kind of right wing and stuff it's it's very very funny um yeah we saw him in london and he was just absolutely hilarious so do you know sort of it is really it's a tim heidecker but i read um bob bob odenkirk's book oh and it's excellent really worth the read um he was obviously kind of i don't know if he was a producer on Tim and Eric Officer show, but he's obviously he's in it appears well. on it and he's yeah. very much in that kind of um ecosystem. Um yeah, he's he's a really fun guy. I've been reading a bit I don't know why I've got into this kind of like I read Wild and Crazy Guys last year and then I've been reading this sort of like big book all about Saturday Night Live. Like they're just it's just like it's just a really interesting Yeah, I mean thing. like this last it was coming up for fifty years, like two years time, like yeah, I mean, um, we we could we could go on and I, I I'd be delighted to, but we need to bring it back. We need to talk about other things. That's yeah. fine. But yeah, that's but fine. yeah, but yeah, check out Tim Heidecker, Bob Odenkirk. If you don't know, is uh, Saul from Better Call Saul. Um, great stuff. Okay, opening question. Uh, what are your main takeaways from a squad perspective from the first half of the season? You got any takeaways? So I think. I've uh, I've written down four points here, Excellent. and I would suggest that domestically, the squad is is more than capable. 
I think the backups, that 22 has, you know, to drop three points in, in essentially the first half of the season. Uh, that's, a, that's a really, really good return. I think it's very different when you take a look at the Champions League. And, and you know, that it's now been uttered enough times that, that you have to believe it's a strategy that we actually believe we are a Champions League club yeah. and we have to, we have to go up to that level. And, and I think for me, even some of the 11 isn't strong enough to be competing at the Champions League, but certainly not the backups. And I think when you get into it, I think, you know, and I, I'm as big a Joe Hart fan as you can find, but he will need to be replaced in the summer. Um, and I don't, I think Segrist is a good backup, but I think you would be better moving Hart out. I don't know what his contractual situation is, but I think I think you need, and, and certainly not Barkas. Did you see Barkas got sent off from the bench last night in an international friendly? <laughs> what? <laughs> For violent conduct? I don't know what he did. Jesus. But, um, but 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 he did do that. Um, Centre back again. The the drop off to Jens and and Welsh is is too much at that level. Um, even the centre midfield right wing, like you know, we can't we can't be in a situation where James Forrest as a thirty three thirty four year old man is playing Champions League games. I, I think there's even an argument up top that that actually, you know, the the sort of the profligacy in terms of chances. Is Kyogo's performance needs to go up in terms of taking those chances, or you're going to have to look at it again. So I think it's a, I think it's really positive, but we need to go again and again and again and again. I think the whole big thing about what Ange kind of has been saying about you know this agile kind of player trading model is that. Don't get too attached, kids, because I think yeah. I think players will will go um, very a lot quicker than maybe you'd like. Uh, in regards to uh, what you were saying there about you know Champions League, let me throw this out: Is it a Europa League team? Do you think we that team, the way we played, could have went far in the Europa League? Um, it, it's certainly possibly closer to it. I think that the, the difficult becomes. Like you don't have a route into the conference anymore, so no. like you're like, oh yeah, we could go really far at the conference. You're like, well, well, that that's not open to you anymore. Um, so you know, I I think at a minimum next season we're looking at you have to be looking at finishing third in that Champions League group, and if you're not and not putting together a reasonable run in the Europa League, then you're actually you are starting to ask questions about Ange and 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 actually. Is he the right person to take us to that next level? Now I think he is, but the results next year will will be the the yardstick against which we measure him. Yes, uh, we were obviously talking uh, on the the kind of live uh, show we did yesterday. We were talking about Ange Postecoglou overall, as as we always tend to do. The Everton link isn't going away quite as quick as some of the other some of the other kind of links. I think some of the other links. They replaced the manager quickly, and obviously Lampard's still in a job. I, st- I was going to. Th- I think that's probably the biggest thing is that Lampard's still there. But like the, the Everton have had a weird season. Like so, they started really poorly, and then they kind of seemed to get it together for five or six games, and you're like, oh, actually, this is. And then they just tanked again. Yeah. Um. I think they're a really, really, really broken club. Um. And and like they've got. 
they're they're building the stadium. They've got they've spent they've like they've spent the most ridiculous amount of money. They spent like five hundred million pounds in six seasons on players, and none of them have gone on. You know, none of them have stuck. Um, I I think I think they're verging on a basket case. And as I say, when you've got a huge capital outlay like that, you can see. Like with Leicester as an example, like you know the work that they were doing the training ground and things like that, and and COVID, they've not been able to put the investment in the squad, and and it's shown. And actually, to be fair to El Elorato, he has kind of turned that round with what he's got. But yeah, I I, I really I I'm, I think I think there, there's a romanticism of turning Everton around and making them better again, but it's a it's a high tariff. Dive. But don't, high, but, high degree of difficulty. But don't you think someone like Ange Postecoglou? And by the way, I'm not talking the manager away. It's just <laughs> these links are going to be here. There's nothing we can do about it. It's it's just it's the nature of the game. But what I would say is what I would suggest is Ange Postecoglou would look at a club like Everton, even if they're in relegation zone. See the fan base. There's a lot of similarities between Celtic and Everton, um, and see a challenge. I, I think he'd be more interested in, the, in that sort of challenge than a Leicester or than a sort of Wolves, like a sort of mid-table team that has yeah. money. I think he'd be more interested in turning a sleeping I, giant I, around, you know? I totally agree. I just think there are a number of things that need to be true in terms of control over over player recruitment, actual budget to get player recruitment, um, getting to, you know turning around that squad. And I, I don't... I don't see him getting that with them. But I could be wrong. It yeah. could be the, the next Everton manager and that's it. No, but anyway, it doesn't matter because he's going to be here for at least another two years. So there we go. Who can offer him Champions League football like we can? Um, Manchester United have been again linked with uh, Jeremy Fringpong. Um it shows the importance of the business we do. We talked about this on the on the kind of live show again, a nice little link into it. Um, it shows the importance of finding diamonds in the rough in kind of various different markets. Frimpong was a massive, massive success. So also it shows the importance of transfer clauses. Absolutely. Like, like you know, that, that it, you know, sometimes it's worth delaying getting that deal over the line to get the right thing in i think i think the sort of it's like the miracle of frimpong is that that neil francis lennon didn't destroy <laughs> like how did he end up like that how did he how is he a player who like kind of like was on the fringes of a man city squad where they're like oh, fuck it have him man he's, yeah. he's, he's not he's not doing it here you know not 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 loaned out like an actual sale because that, that you know christ even daniel arzani was on a two-year loan and things like that you know just have him he's, he's, you know it's quite incredible that he's turned out the way he does, but um, you know he's at the World Cup, and yeah, he looks like a a player that that is going to attract some significant attention if he if he has well not just if he has a good World Cup, but I think yeah he could be one of the one of the breakout stars. There we go. There's a there's a phrase. Uh, he seems to be. I think Bayer Leverkusen are kind of have accepted that he will definitely be leaving at the end of the season. I mean that rise from you know member of the league cup final which in which a lot of people forget he gets sent off in mm-hmm. um to to because i remember his debut was only against was it partick thistle in the league cup like three months before that like yeah 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 it was it was, turnaround a, it was a really really short it was a quick thing and god I, I will struggle to name any of the others he came in with but it was kind of like 
He was the he was Leo kind Connor. Of, Leo Connor. Uh, Leo Connor was the one that was like, "Oh man, the Man United fans are raging." Yeah, like, "Oh, we've got we've got a steal. I've got this guy from Pong as well." And um, yeah, it it was, and you know, he was <laughs> to, to coin a phrase, very raw, but you could see that there was something there. And you know, with that great coaching and and one to one attention he got from Neil Lennon. <laughs> He moved up to the next level, and and you know the same could be said for the club. It's funny. The, the fun, the thing I find um, about that sort of you know Frimpong, I remember because I, I remember at his debut, he came on and straight off the bat, I was like, oh, this kid's electric. And some, uh, sometimes I think we do um, do this thing where it's like, um, oh, we need to kind of put these players in, and I guess different positions mean different kind of attributes and stuff. But sometimes it is best just to fucking throw them in. And a mm-hmm. sink or swim scenario, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 as I say, that's there's something that Celtic need to reflect on in terms of when you look at like we're never signing Lewis Ferguson, right? But Josh Doig and things like that. Like guys are going over to Italy and doing a good job. Aaron Hickey's probably the best example of all. Like Celtic have to look at themselves and say, can they offer an environment where a player like Hickey can can be successful. I still don't think no, we can. No, and I no. and, and, and I think like, like so it's did you get to that point where it's actually like we can't even try. Like, you know, they're just I think I think people forget the pressures that exist at this club to win every game. Um, you know, there's not many other clubs in the world that that, that where that exists and, and it does create downsides like you know, Aaron Hickey's now a twenty million pound player, and and you know, to some extent, we've missed out on that. But I don't know what we would have done differently to to play that out. You know, yeah, yeah, it's the same with Doig, and it's the same with with all that stuff. Like, we're just not, you know, we we talk about it to death. So let's. Go. I know. Yeah, I know. Um, just on the kind of um, you know, the the link with Frimpong and stuff, um. Our good friend Nick Hammond is now set to be the directed director of football at Hapoel Tel Aviv. I just wanted to bring this up because obviously the way that Ange Postacoglu works, he's got his kind of finger in all the pies sort of thing. And we've brought in, um, you know, uh, young Lawwell to kind of, you know, develop this department. When I say, I, I think structure is important. I'm not talking about what Christian talks about where it's a complete change, but structure just in general a process is important do you think we're developing a ange orientated process about player recruitment yes so i i think what nick hammond getting this job and actually not just getting this job but perennially being linked with big director of football jobs tells you how low the bar is <laughs> with director of football jobs like do you know like seriously like like Lee Congerton, like is he not like a Atalanta now or something like that? Yes. Like guys who were like shit, like just really bad. Like like you know, oh, we're going to go and raid League One for players. Oh, how did that work out for us? You know, shit, right? But they like you almost get this kind of time served of all oh, right, okay, well, they've 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 been in these organisations, so they understand the role. So so yeah, let let let's go and and do it. Um, so. It definitely, it definitely works in some situations. I think I've said it before. Ange is our director of football. Yeah. Um, that's that's just that's and and I don't think he would work under a different um, 
under a different structure. So I think you kind of have to be willing. You have to be willing to flex the structure if you get the right person. Like, you know, when you tick all the other boxes around mindset, attacking football, vision, and it's like, ah, but won't work under a director of football. You're like, right, okay, well, I can I can trade that out for all the rest of them. Yeah, I think also it's like... Um... In regards to how he was talking about, you know, uh, and I've mentioned this a few times already over the last couple of days, but this kind of um, agile, aggressive um, model when he's talking about player trading. But that agility, I think, is also... Celtic are just going to have to kind of think on their feet a lot of the Mm -hmm. time when Ange leaves or when there's a kind of change of, you know, structure in regards to... uh, Just Ange leaving, right? We'll have to sit down and... There will be, because we're not prepared for that, and we're probably not going to be prepared for that, but we just have to be on our toes and be ready. I think what Mark Lowell gives you is a succession plan, because I think that was clearly the path that he was on at City Group. So actually, you're taking somebody who's potentially in one of the next-to-lead type roles in, in City Group, and, and, and you've got him there having as much power as Ange will allow him to have, but actually you could make a, you could make a call where actually Ange is left, we're going to change the model, Mark Lowell's our director of football and, and he'll be appointing the next manager. I don't think that's a massive leap now. No. Like, I don't think um, Lee Congerton or Nick Hammond <laughs> director of football would be um, particularly pleasant. Whereas, like, I guess, like, this, this transfer window coming is our first Lowell window. Well, since the old Lowell windows that we used to have all the time. Yeah. I'm really interested to see what what he's come up with. And Ange, you know, certainly seems confident in terms of the preparation they've done for January and talking about that, you know, actually they'll be doing their summer prep in, in January or in, or in this in this break. Um, so it all sounds really positive. But again, it's about if you even if you've identified four players per position can you get those deals across the line and that's going to be the that's going to be the real key yeah the proof is in the pudding uh, as that's correct christopher that's absolutely correct i have heard that and uh, you know it's it's one of these things i think it's true i think it's true <laughs> that's where you tend to find the proof is is in the pudding jesus um i don't know what that means like see when you break these these like old phrases you're like what the fuck is that the proof is in the pudding because uh, and this is true or I might be making it up. And um, they used to pass messages in pudding. Okay, yeah. Hey, there's so, always a there's always a there's always a story. So they used to hide. There's always a story. When I say they used to hide, it can be whoever. Um, That's right. Yeah. It's been. They, a, I, 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 we don't obviously always talk about Rangers, right? Because we are a Celtic podcast and we want to focus on them. But sometimes we have to look at what we're up against, if you will. Right. Um, it's been a year since Van Bronckhorst has been in. Uh, they're nine points behind. They seem to be absolutely upset and raging and everyone wants them sacked. The board have came out and they've backed them. What's your thinking on that? Now, firstly, it's fucking hilarious. It's terrific. <laughs> but what's your thinking on it from a, from our point of view? How will it affect us, do you think? Him staying, it, just him gives, it just gives us stuff to laugh at at the minute. Um, yeah, it does really feel like they are... In, in the sort of death throes with Van Bronckhurst. So, like, how far do they back him, right? So there's, there's three, four league games, until, three league games until we go to Ibrox, right? Yes. They've got to go to Pataudry. Does he have to win 
all four of those games to keep his job. If he loses one of them, does he get, or does he get to stay until we go to Ibrox and then they take a call? After that, you're back to sort of, you know, at least a game a week. So you don't have that. You're in the middle of the January window. I kind of think that the window to sack him has probably passed because you would want, you would want somebody in just now trying to, to work out, right, shit, right, what, what have I got? Oh, my God, right, this fat striker with six months left in his deal, I've got this goth winger with six months left in his deal. What? Right, man, this isn't great, guys, right? Like, shit, right, here we go. If you do that on the 2nd of January, like, you're really, you're, they're, they're struggling. Um, so I, I suspect he's now there to the end of the season. The fans will hate that. I think this only gets worse for them. Um, I mean, it's hysterical. I mean, see, the thing is, like, I remember I watched the Livingston game when they dropped points at home. And, you know, the, as soon as the final whistle went, we've all kind of seen the clips on Twitter and stuff. Like, the, the boos were kind of huge, right? And I think at that point, everyone was like, well, he can't drop any more points. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, the St. Mirren game, they, they, I think there was a real... What I what I thought was delicious and what what nourished me was there was a real acceptance from the the support from the Ranger support that we dropped points, but what can you do kind of thing, which yeah. I think is the kind of the the, the sh- shouts and cries of a defeated team, a surrendered a surrendering army, shall you say? Um, yeah, but the cry was surrender. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I I do think they could still sack him though. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I think they they might get to a point where they have to. There's a whole big thing about they'll have to pay four million quid and they can't afford it and there's no money there. But they will find a way if they have to. Yeah, I mean, I think like you know they're. I don't like so when you look at their their financial results. Like I don't, they're they're not in danger of going bust anymore, but they are right up against the financial fair play limits like that's the biggest probably barrier that they're dealing with that and a couple of lawsuits and we'll maybe talk about one of the lawsuits later on um that that are still kicking about so you know there's a lot of uncertainty there's people that have put in money and now want it back out like as i say they're not going into administration anytime soon but if you have to spend six million pounds to sack a manager and his backroom team that he's brought in you can reasonably assume that, that that has an impact on what you want to do in January. Yeah, aye, definitely. Also, just um, as we move on, I just want to highlight the fact that they seem to think that Kevin Muscat is just the same as Ange because he's won a league at the same... You know, what Ange Postacoglu did before he was in Japan is is massive, kind of the uh-huh. the, 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 um, the records he broke in Australia, taking Australia to a World Cup. This is Muscat's first job, I think, and they're yeah. ta- talking about him like it's exactly the same. It's bizarre. I, I, I think it's a, a, a... Yeah, it's... um, It's a trap. It's not a trap. Do you know what? Right, like... I think it would be really, really, really funny if they gave David Martindale and Kevin Thompson the job. Like, that would just be hysterical. I think you would give Muscat a little bit more respect, perhaps, in terms of, right, okay, so he has won a league title, which is certainly more than David Martindale has won. But, yeah, it does kind of ape of, do you remember in The Waterboy? And now we see the towel boy, and they bring a guy on, and he just gets, like, broken into. Like it's kind of like the towel boy because the water boy was successful. Um, but is there not? I mean, I've had him something. Is there not an, an element to me? I think um, Muscat basically just kept doing what Ange did. 
And it's very Neil Lennon coming in on the fumes of Brendan Rodgers. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, God, there was a horrible moment where he was linked as going to be our assistant manager, and I'm, I'm glad that that passed. But, yeah, it, put it this way. If, if I was, which manager would concern me more, David Martindale or Muscat? It would be Muscat, but I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a terribly bright idea. But like, this is the thing: they're they're all out of ideas. They don't, they don't know which way's up. Yeah, they need some good work ethic in there. Um, yeah. Just a quick point uh, on Ramon Vega has failed in an attempt to challenge Gianni Infantino as president of FIFA in elections next year. Um, Ramon can, can Vega? I tell you what I've written down about Ramon Vega? What? Um, he is genuinely quite a weird guy. <laughs> he is a bit weird. He's very he? strange, right? So I was driving up to Perth the other week and he was on Five Live because they were doing, like, they were interviewing somebody from all of their, uh, the World Cup team. So he was on for Switzerland and he was talking about playing for Celtic. And I was like, mate, you're on loan for fucking four months. Like, you need to chill out a wee bit. Like, he's a. It's just a bit weird. Like, and he does like, it's like, oh, you know, I want to be a great reformer and UEFA is corrupt and I'll do Yeah. No, he's just, it's just a bit strange. He's he had a jumper named ni- after him. He's nice though. You he can, is a nice guy. I mean, Ian, you're, yeah. stri- you're strange and you're nice. Yeah, exactly. The, the two, you know, you can hold two thoughts in your head at once. But yeah, he's, he's just, I don't know what it is. There's something strange about him. And, and, I mean, weird. speaking of strange and nice, you've met Chris Bowd. So, I mean, it's just, it works. Um, That's true. But, uh, yeah, he's he's, uh, he's 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 an interesting chap. Um, the Tour of Australia. Um, did you get to see the game, the, the Sydney game? I just saw the highlights. Like, I was at, I was at work, so I was kind of following it. Um, yeah, and, and, and I'm not sure I'll be getting up at quarter to four for the, for the Everton game. Just... I will. I'll watch the highlights again. Maybe I'll watch a full replay when I wake up. Um, I mean, yeah, abs- we'll abs- you absolutely won't. But that's fine. Yeah. Um, here's just. I wanted to kind of highlight um, Ange's reaction to it. Um, so he was asked about it. Uh, his reaction was: "It was a very good game, and there was a lot of goal mouth action. But we were nowhere near it today. We were well off it. We didn't start the game well. And credit to Sydney, I thought they were good and they were sharp and started the game better. In the second half, we improved a little bit." but we were no, nowhere near the levels we need to be in the Sydney day of the win. He was then asked, do you excuse the players and cut them some slack for long for the long journey? No, mate, I am not a violin player. We get on with it. They probably are tired, so what? The game was today, it is not tomorrow. That's the way it is, and we were not anywhere near the levels we needed to be at. But that is part of the learning process. It's, next question. You constantly stress that these guys know the levels, don't they? I understand it is not easy and it's a long trip and you were getting off there and in any game of football there is always excuses if you want them. We've chosen not to do that in the past and that is why what we'll do here today. And final question, there were opportunities for some but what? It, but was it missed opportunities? I don't think anyone can say tonight that they put their best foot forward whether they have been playing or not. For everyone it is a night where you, they, where you play anywhere near the levels you needed to. It's a bit, it's a bit mental. It's a bit strong, isn't it? Like it's, but I mean, I do. It, there, there's like, right. I get that from a personal perspective. This is really important to him. Like, you know, this is you know, come on to some of the figures in a second when we talk about how much this this tour could potentially be worth. Right. So it's important for the club. It's re- very, you know, there's. I'm not saying he's settling scores and things like that, but you know, he wants his team to put the best foot forward. I I just don't know how you can expect. <laughs> 
players to have the same level of motivation in a Champions League game than you can for a friendly that you've travelled 12,000 miles around the world and you're you're attending fan parks and doing sort of photo ops by the Sydney Opera House. And, and I'm not saying it's, it's... I think it is a worthwhile thing to be doing, but it's just... I it does. I, I would really hope, like, we'll talk about the, the video in a minute. I really hope he wasn't doing it. Who the fuck? How the fuck is that guy? And fuck, who, who's picking him up? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it, it's a bit much. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there'll, there'll be plenty of uh, Celtic fans that will see his reaction there and be like, yeah, absolutely. We should, Celtic shouldn't lose it. Yeah, set the standard. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally get that. And that's fine. And I'm, I'm in no way criticizing. Ange for reacting. I like how he reacts. Uh, I just personally, I was like, "Oh Jesus!" Like, it's <laughs> a bit much. But because uh, the video came out, obviously there's the kind of five minute we um, we kind of mini documentary, which I thought was really good. Uh, that was released, and it was about his time as the Australian manager. Um, and the bit where he's kind of they're doing post match analysis, and he starts banging the screen. It, it, it genuinely scared me. <laughs> Like, so do you think? So I guess. So I was going to ask you a question. Do you think he's mellowed out a bit now? Because I kind of wonder if I can't. I can't see him. I guess it's so difficult, right? Because you don't see what happens behind closed doors. Yeah. But I'd be surprised if he was still like that. Ah, uh, I. I. I think he's got it in his locker. I would be surprised. So think about games where Celtic have really, really let themselves down under Ange. There's not many. There really mm-hmm. isn't, right? St. Mirren is probably one of them. Yep, yep, yep. Do, uh, do I think that he would have had a reaction similar to that? Maybe not similar to that, because I'm pretty sure that was a World Cup qualifier where uh-huh. you, know, the, you know it's really, really fine margins, whereas we're talking about a 36-game you know game season, right? But do I think he's still got that in his locker? Absolutely. I I, mm-hmm. I, I I would not imagine that he would change that much. I think I think he can curb it. I think I think there's levels because I think if you're an international football manager and you question players or you there's a difference between players are turning up because they're playing for their country. And I think the pride levels of that and the determination levels of that are very different from being a football club. So do I think he would go to that level? Probably not, but I think that being a manager international manager is a unique situation. Yeah, you've got you've got less you've physically got less time to get your messages across. Yeah. So actually maybe you go to Defcon Defcon 5. So yeah, no, I mean he's a he's a fascinating character. Um he's a, yeah, do a, write a thesis on him. I mean personally, I I personally this is just me. I I love what he's doing at Celtic. Um but sometimes I I do kind of yeah just kind of well really well you know the I, my my biggest issue with him is uh, it's his infallibility that's what I don't like it's the well couldn't have done anything about that you know I, I was just standing at the side of the pitch you know they they go out there and play you know it's not it's not on me. Um, and I think that is, you know, in this game management and his changes and things like that, that's probably my biggest criticism of him. I, I think he gets, I do think Ange Postacoglu gets less criticism, um, but I think that's because of how he has connected himself to the support. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that the support do is if they think that you are completely tuned on to our way of thinking, you will buy 
poker by crook you will get l- more opportunities to make mistakes which i think is i think is fine um yeah, yeah i i think what he's doing at celtic is a, is he's doing a fantastic job and uh but again you don't have to like every aspect of the the manager or, no exactly, know, and that, exactly. That, that, that's it's not fine. it's not a cult yeah exactly um i just i wanted to ask about how important this trip and these trips are um as obviously going to australia how important are they to grow the markets uh, that Celtic I, can make money? I, I think it's I think it's absolutely huge. Um, so you can always take what this the man that I read these figures on with a grain of salt. So the belief is that this three game tournament will have earned Celtic somewhere between six and a half and ten million pounds. Oof. Rangers were due to get two and a half to three million pounds when we were all going to prostitute ourselves out and do that and thank god that hasn't happened they've now potentially opened themselves up to the same sort of money in terms of a lawsuit right so so if if you're getting six and a half million pounds for three friendlies to fly around the the world and and as you say do you know did you see the thing about the guys that had the supporters bus going from perth to sydney a 44 hour you know people (laughs) I mean, that, I like, think, like, you know, I think that was a parody. Ian. No, I think it was actually real. I think it was um, a parody. Chris, oh. No, I believe it was real. I don't think you would ever fly that. You would, of course, take the bus because that's the away fan experience that they wanted. Of course. Sorry, I've just realised you were taking the piss as well. Fuck. <laughs> that was close. Well, I, got, I got away with it. <laughs> um, but um, so yeah, on you go. Yeah. So I, th- I think, I would, I think Japan should be next. And and I think the the thing is that that actually, you know, we probably will need to do this in the summer. We're not going to have this opportunity to do it where there's a strange four week break in the calendar. But but I think it's really worthwhile. Like you should be doing America, you should be doing Japan, and you know, like doing a training camp in Austria. Like that might be good from a sort of sports science perspective, but I think there's a balance to be had, and and for me, you could go a little bit more in the. What what I don't understand is like, um, it's only a flight to America. It's only a flight to Japan. Like you get over that pretty quickly. Like <laughs> people talk about, oh, we're going all, all the way. We're going to Australia, and how will that affect the player? But get over it pretty quickly. Like so, what I would say is this summer. I think was a total focus in the Champions League and they wanted to be local and by local I mean just kind of like Europe and, and stuff like that. Um whereas next season if we've got guaranteed Champions League entry, go to America. Yes. So so if you look at and I've forgotten where it is, but when the 49ers play on the East Coast, they go and they take over this whole hotel and sports complex. Cost them about $2 million to do it, but as a result, they get really good results in the East Coast. So you can't say that, you know, you've got some of the best sporting facilities in the world, like go to a university town, base yourself there. I think when we've gone to America previously and, and you know, just from some of the open goal stuff, it sounds like they were just on the piss all the time from Mulgrew and Lennon and things like that. Like, so, you know, I think you have to go over and take it seriously and actually, right, you're training at, you know, an elite sports venue and you're going to go and play in, you know, Yankee Stadium against 
the New York Red Bulls or whoever it is, you know, like so so you're kind of doing both and there's there's no reason why you can't do both if you come into it with the right mindset, not that you're gonna go out on the piss and yeah. Well, well look at look at Aberdeen just now. They're overplaying like Atlanta United and you know, mm-hmm. like they they are obviously Dave Cormack's like based in America and stuff, but like they've got like real ideas of kind of just doing something a little bit different and trying to get another audience, you know? I think that's the one thing that you can credit Cormac and a couple of the other owners as well. They're trying something differently. These Friday night games, these Saturday evening games, they're like, look, we need to do something different. So let's let's try it. You know, Hibs cut the ticket prices for this Johnson game, then get pumped. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) fucking Lee Johnson. He's he's an idiot. He's an idiot. Dreadful. But they are trying to see, you know, they've, they, you know, everybody thought when this Deloitte review, oh, what a joke this is going to be. But actually, Deloitte kind of backed up a lot of the things they said. You, you need to go and try these things. And yeah, as I say, America or Japan next summer for me would be the, the way to go. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, obviously Celtic play Everton on a 3.45 on Sunday morning at the Sydney Olympic Park. Uh, do you think he'll go with the tried and tested just because it's a, an English team, I guess? Like, obviously, when you're yeah. playing Sydney, it's a little bit different. Yeah, I suspect he'll go with the strongest 11 he's got available to them, um, which probably is not that dissimilar to how... Like, so I think Hart had a not... Jackamacus has got a poison toe. Um, do you know... <laughs> Fucking weird. You're like, <sighs> okay, cool. Thanks, TMI, mate. But um, yeah, like, so I, th- I think you put out as strong a team as you can, and 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 you know, clearly, Christ, clearly, Ange is trying to create. Uh, you know, this is an important game around this because you saw the reaction against Sydney. Um, and and yeah, you 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 go and do it, and 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 yeah, you you take an opportunity to measure yourself. Um, against a team hovering above the relegation zone in the EPL, you know what? What a benchmark! What a benchmark! <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so but, or maybe maybe Ange throws the game because they're like, oh, we were going to give him the job, but he's really shit, and yeah. that's that. See, smart. Um, obviously, this weekend is kind of the the opening of the World Cup. Uh, the opening mm. games on Sunday uh, is Qatar versus who is it again? Uh, fucking Ecuador. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I was, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. We'll get onto this. Uh, just, I, I want to just confirm it. Yeah. Equ- Qatar versus Ecuador. Uh, they moved, the, it, was, it wasn't supposed to be the first game. And they've, so they've actually made the tournament a day longer so that they could have the first day. It's yeah. not exactly Scotland Brazil, is it, Christopher? It's I, not exactly Scotland Brazil. That's what I'd say. I'd agree with that. Uh, but yeah, so. Qatar have now, it's been confirmed this afternoon, or this morning, that beer is now banned. We actually had a question, funnily enough, from uh, Liam, who WhatsApped us. Uh, you can WhatsApp us on 07457 Um Hi, good content as ever this week. Bit of a random one, as I'm not sure there's currently a call for questions, but I've just read this, uh, and it's an article on uh, The Guardian. Football fans will pay up to 12 quid for a beer at the World Cup in Qatar. Given recent points, given recent pod's comments on drinking in Scottish grounds. I wonder if a pod on the on the near future, you want to comment on the fact football fans can drink in Qatar, but not in Scotland. So it's a really, not really good... anymore! <laughs> it's a good point, uh, Liam. Um, and, you know, this is the first opportunity we've had, had to make it. So it is a good point, but it's literally just been confirmed just, this morning. I, I, it's... Um... See, when you think about, like, the commercial monster that is FIFA... Um, 
and the the type of things that Qatar would have had to sign up to to get this World Cup for them to be able to turn round at two days' notice. Now, fair enough, they're saving those people from twelve pound bottles of Budweiser, right? Now, in the long run, that that is probably it's probably the most humanitarian thing <laughs> Qatar have done in this whole World Cup. Um, so so fair play to them. Um, the whole thing is so disgusting. So, you know, when they put the bid in, did they say they were going to spend a £128 billion on Stadia that will have no legacy, that will never be used again? Did they say that 6,500 slaves, I was going to call them migrant workers, fucking slaves would die, would put their blood in in these stadiums? No, they didn't. So the fact that they turned around and back, it is just disgusting. And yeah. and do you know who I feel really sorry for? And I remember Keith and I talked about it on the lunch club about, you know, you only have so many World Cups in your in your life, right? Finn's eight, right? This should be a World Cup that he should get really excited about. Watching that phenomenon documentary, everybody needs to watch it. It's so good, the yeah. Ronaldo documentary. You remember how amazing France 98 was and, and 2002 as well. And, you know, these kids are missing out on a really formative football experience. I'm having to sit and explain to Finlay. Do you remember the bad things we talked about slavery? Well, well, that's what's happened here. Six and a half thousand people died making these stadiums so that so that a, a, a totalitarian, bigoted regime can feel good about itself on a world stage. It just sucks. Yeah, I mean, it really does. Um, and, you know, imagine, like, uh, going to this world cup the, the fact of the matter is and you know we're there's plenty of other podcasts that can kind of go into de- more detail with this but like the the bid for qatar they guaranteed that you know western kind of uh, supporters values and was it not something yeah yeah, yeah western would values and, and it would be upheld and you know no one's going to get uh, criminalized because of their um sexuality or obviously you they said that you'd be allowed to drink. Uh, two days before the World Cup, they're like, no, you can't drink now. Apparently, it's going to cost FIFA millions and millions and millions. And don't get me wrong, I've got no sympathy for FIFA because they're as corrupt as the rest of them. No, no. But if you're, if you're Anna Bush, you own Budweiser, you're sitting going, what the actual fuck? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's dreadful. Are you going to? Are you going to watch it, though? Um, oh, that, it, do you know the other thing? Like the, the games are on at kind of quite annoying times. Like I think, like ten a.m., one a.m., uh, ten a.m., one p.m., and seven p.m. And right, so the seven o'clock. So I'll probably watch the seven o'clock games with Finley. Um, the ten and one, probably not. Do you know what I mean? Got to earn a crust, Christopher. Um, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, yeah I mean, so sucks. yeah, it does. Just uh, from a Celtic point of view, we've got representation in Group B, which is England, USA, Iran, and Wales. Obviously, Cameron Carter-Vickers. Group D... Christopher, did you see, and I don't know whether it was an official Ted Lasso um, uh, billboard, but the billboard in America about Cameron Carter-Vickers done in a Ted Lasso style. It was really cute. I really liked it. And what was the final... Nice content. What was the final... It just basically said, um, like... uh, uh, it, it, it's all about Cameron Carter Vickers and his dad's from somewhere, his mom's from somewhere, he was brought up in New Orleans and he did this and did that. He said, if that's not the most American story since Apple Pie in the 4th of July, then, you know, good luck, Cameron. And I was like, God, that was 
you know, as I say, I, I doubt it would have been an official thing, but it was a really nice Ted Lasso thing. A nice message, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Group B, uh, England, USA, Iran, Wales, we've obviously got, as we said, Cameron Carter-Vickers. Group D, which is Denmark, Tunisia, France and Australia, um, Aaron Moy, uh, Aaron Frank Moy uh, is playing for Australia, of course. Group E, Germany, Japan, Spain and Costa Rica, we've got uh, our good pal Dyson Maida. And Group F, Morocco, Croatia, Belgium and Canada. Croatia obviously has uh, Juranovic. So the the first game up from a Celtic point of view is USA versus Wales, which is on Monday at seven PM. Tuesday, France versus Australia, seven PM. Wednesday, Germany versus Japan, one PM. And also on Wednesday at ten AM is Morocco versus Croatia. Other other groups Group A, Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal and Holland. Group C, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico and Poland. Group G, Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland and Cameroon. And Group H, which is probably the most World Cup group of all time. It's Portugal from Europe. It's Ghana from Africa. It's Uruguay from South America. And it's South Korea from Asia. It's like the that's, mo- that's, that, that's probably like the group of death, isn't it? Like, that's just four really good teams yeah good teams who I think it's very hard to kind of uh, yeah. pull any of them apart it's a shame that um, Sadio Mane is injured for Senegal because really... I thought it was Postacoglu saying that he, he thought that this could be the year that somebody breaks out I know everybody always says that um, but yeah you like Senegal you know someone where you've got like a like a absolute weapon like like Mane you know you, they could have broken out but yeah it's Tough, yeah. tough luck. Yeah, it's, it's been reported yesterday, if you haven't heard, that um, he will be going for surgery, so he's definitely out of the World Cup. Um, the World Cup. Give me give me your quick thoughts. I'm, go, I'm going to... England, USA, Iran, Wales. Um, thoughts on who do you think will qualify? Um, out of that, like, so I, I suspect... Ugh, Wales are a really difficult team to... Measure so do you know that all four of those it's the only group where all four are in the FIFA top twenty. So Iran are twentieth in the world, like you kind of I presume that kind of flatters to deceive in terms of the types of teams that they're playing against. It's a difficult one to call. You would think England and USA would prevail. Wales just seem to get way more out of that squad than they should. And like individual parts like uh, Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey, like they just managed to turn it on in, in Wales games. So, you know, they could be the dark horses. Um, we should always back Iran as Celtic fans because of their brilliant trolling of the British government when they changed the name of the street that the British embassy was on in nineteen seventies to uh, to 1980s to Bobby Sands Avenue. Um, so you want so to you had... want to back this current Iran regime? No, 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 no. I just think that's quite a funny thing that they did. Then. Uh, that that particular thing was quite funny. I've got a friend who's Iranian and he was telling me about it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we we watched the Super Bowl with him. Um, yeah. Be, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it would be good yeah. if there was some kind of protest from the Iranian players because what's happening there is both it's uplifting disgusting. and horrendous. With uh, yeah. these really. The reaction, yeah, so yeah, and they, and they seem to be suggesting that they, that, you know, that they they might, um, yeah. which would be incredibly brave. So uh, absolutely, so, yeah, uh, yeah. So the World Cup starts kicking off; it kicks off on Sunday, um, four pm, um, and then, as I say, the first uh, interaction with a Celtic player. Not necessarily going to start Cameron Carter-Vickers, but it'll be USA versus Wales. Uh, so check that out. Um, well, it's a shame the Japan manager's a walloper, eh? Like, it would have been cool if... It, it, I do feel bad for 
Kyogo and Hitati not not going. I mean, he he sounds like an absolute tit. Uh, I feel bad for them as well. Uh, I mean, I know it's great that they get a rest and things like that, but yeah, it's really shitty. I like watching Celtic players at World Cups. Mm-hmm. I, I really Me do. Too. So yeah. Me too. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll do a little bit more World Cup stuff probably on the agenda on Monday. Um, so from a game perspective this weekend, uh, Celtic are playing Everton, uh, Sydney Olympic Park, 3.45am. Then on Sunday... Who's after- on the reaction, Chris? There is, there is not going to be a reaction to, to, to that Wait, game. Wait, I was going to wake up at six, get the reaction. No, that's fine. That's, um, Chris, I think that's understandable. Yeah, thank you, because Jesus. <laughs> um, Sunday... Celtic FC women are taking on Hearts um, at the Excelsior Stadium. It's a 2pm kickoff. Uh, Claire Wilde will be there. It's a huge game. We previewed that We previewed that game on the Celtic Women's Football Show, which is available now on your feed, so check that out. Looking forward to, uh, hopefully, uh, three points against Hearts. Um, what have we got coming up on the Cynic this week? Um, or this weekend, sorry. Uh, tomorrow we've got The Social. It's myself and Christian. An unscripted episode. Uh, we just talked about various things it was very much unscripted i had a couple of points i wanted to bring up but it's unscripted and kind of honest as well so probably going to do that with uh, some more myself and some other cynics as well ian probably not you because we don't want to get sued no correct christopher there's some breaking news and it does um the celtic christmas advert has just dropped oh has it and the star of the celtic christmas advert is finley's best friend thomas Oh, and so do you know? Like, I was going to have this as a finer thing for the lunch club, but so do you know how? Like, I know it sounds ridiculous, right? But like, see when you hear that actually they're just a brilliant bunch of guys, and they were so great to the kids. So they not only did they do an autograph book for Thomas, they did one for Finley as well. Oh wow! Um, it it was just like. John, I'm going for a pint with him later on. He was just saying like, it was the nicest experience. So Thomas goes to a kind of drama class on a Saturday morning. So they, so I think there's a class of kids and then there was like three or four child actors and Thomas is one of them. Um, and, and he just said it was the best day and they were lovely to him. And, and it's just so nice when you hear that actually Kyogo really comfortable speaking in English away to them. Like, you know, it's just, um, it was properly heartwarming and then it brought it around and Finley is clutched this thing to his chest that's brilliant um for the past three weeks so yeah so thomas is in is in the advert so here we go go and see him yes we'll be doing a, a players lounge uh looking at the uh advert claire annabelle eddie and bowd will be breaking it down and discussing it so that should be uh, maybe you could get thomas on it thomas he is eight years old um you would need to speak to his agent <laughs> he's been in a couple of adverts now he's done a tony macaroni advert and now the celtic advert so he's coming up he's coming up in the world young Come, thomas coming up in the world no doubt uh yeah so saturday we're gonna have the social um which is unscripted with christian check that out and then on sunday uh, we it's a new series called one-on-one um and it's myself speaking to Matt Evans, who has written a book about USA 94. So we talk about USA 94 and everything that went into that. And we also talk about the Qatar World Cup as well. Lots of interesting chat takes place. So check that out. That'll be dropping on Sunday. Um, let's finish, as we always do, with the fact or fiction. I asked two questions, a new state of the fact or fiction and why. Ian Duggan, question number one. A minimum... Of three new faces will arrive at Celtic this January. Fact or fiction? Fact. Tell me why. I just, I just, I just think they definitely will. So I think we'll, we'll, we'll sing uh, the centre back, and and yeah, I, th- I, I think 
it'll be a it'll be some combination of a right winger, centre midfielder, maybe a striker. Um, I don't think they'll sign a goalkeeper in this window, um, but I have it in reasonable authority that Matt Ryan is having a tough time at Copenhagen, not really getting a game, and we should go and buy Matt Ryan. Yeah, That's let's, what we should do. Let's take the goalkeeper who doesn't get a game for Copenhagen. Great stuff. He's he's, uh, he's good. He's good, Chris. He's good with his feet. He's good. He's good distribution. He's good. By the way, good. you mentioned I didn't actually. I meant to say that Joe Hart signed a three-year deal, and that would. This is the second year. Second year, so he's got a year to go. He's got a year to um, go, and then we'll okay. see. Uh, question number two: Celtic will move on one big hitter, other than Juranovic, this January window. So either one big hitter and not Juranovic, or one big hitter as well as Juranovic. Fact or fiction? I'm saying fiction. And I think it's around the definition of big hitter. So I think Stephen Welsh will definitely go out, go, I think, permanently. I wouldn't I don't think he's quite a big hitter. I think I think the only other one I've got a question mark on is is Abada. And the fact that they're trying to get Abada to sign a new deal suggests that potentially not in January. Uh, something could come left field. Alan Edgar keeps talking about Jota leaving. Um I, I, I suspect his wonder free kick in the Bernabeu probably wasn't the most sensible thing to do, mate. Like, do you know what I mean? Just keep it for next season. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think so. I think Juranovic, hopefully, the World Cup and we get some cash. I've got a feeling it might be Matt O'Reilly. I had a dream about Matt O'Reilly last night, Chris. And it was a dream that Lindsay was keep... related to him. Um, <laughs> Through some strange stuff, like basically Matt O'Reilly's uncle was a bigamist and um, had married Lindsay's granny, essentially. But then also had another family. So we're like, shit, like they're related to Matt O'Reilly. Um, he was really pleasant about it. Like, because we had like, there was like a photo thing. We're like, oh my, yeah, that's not, no, it's not me. It's another, it's really, this is quite involved. Um, I'm a, I'm I don't know why I've done it. I'm a little scared, Ian. I'll be honest. Isn't yeah. that how thinking about how your brain works is a, a, a it wasn't a thesis it wasn't on, sexual. On uh, listen, this has been class. Um, great to have uh, the weekend update back. Great to hear from Ian Dugan. Uh, we'll speak to you very soon, sir. Christopher, thank you for having me. Have a good weekend. Lovely stuff. Uh, there's plenty coming up on the Cynic this weekend and every day moving forward. Uh, thanks to Ian. I'm Chris Gallagher. This has been the weekend update, and we'll speak to you down the road. Yeah.